0: Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. Go Wild has recently partnered with Mountain Tough for a free 30-day workout program designed to get you in shape for turkey season called the Go Wild Challenge. Download Go Wild to sign up and let everyone know in a Go Wild post that you're joining us. Then, each time you do a workout, tag Go Wild and Mountain Tough to hold yourself accountable. Also, Go Wild will be attending the Great American Outdoor Show February 4th through the 12th. If you're in the area, stop by booth 412, meet the guys and learn all about Go Wild. Visit downloadgowild.com and sign up today. On today's podcast, I'm going to be recapping the Alabama hunt that I just got back from last week. I had briefly mentioned it a couple times on earlier podcasts that I'd be driving down there for the Spartan Forge Veterans Hunt. And really, I just kind of want to, on the front end, acknowledge that that is the main intent of that hunt was to, you know, really help support that <clears throat> that event put on by Spartan Forge. Leading up to it, they had run a GoFundMe and with the intent of raising money for a couple of different organizations and in conjunction with the hunt and, you know, the winners that were able to come down and hunt with the group, they were able to raise over $5,000 that went to uh both Living in the Green and Hungry Heroes Barbecue, which are both organizations that help support uh, military endeavors. So with that said, I do want to give a special thank you to anybody who had donated to that event. Of the crew that was down there to meet up, uh, Slade Johnston was the one who essentially hosted the trip for us down in Alabama. Their whole family is, is great. Uh, met a bunch of them. Slade's a really good guy. And then, of course, Bill from Spartan Forge was there. As well as a couple of other Spartan Forge guys like Johnny Stewart, Taylor Chamberlain, uh, myself, obviously, one of the engineers named Evan from Spartan Forge, Lee and Drew from Seek One, a mutual friend, Adrian Wilson from Tethered, and uh, Jason Red from Timber Ninja was also there for a while. And then we, of course, had the Hunt Winners, of which there were three individuals, as well as one more military vet who was one of Bill's friends. Now, for me, going down to Alabama, it was a long trip regardless of how I got there, I could either choose to fly or drive, and that's always one of the considerations when doing a long distance hunt like that. There's logistical challenges, I think more so with flying. It's always preferable to drive if you're able to, but sometimes the amount of hours that you're on the road compared to the length of the trip and, you know, the amount of PTO that you have and all that sort of thing starts to weigh into the decision pretty heavily. I did decide to drive down there, it was about eighteen hours, but then that allowed me also to kind of make the decision to Spent a couple of extra days down there. So I wasn't just driving down there for a day and a half and then, you know, turning right back around. So I got down there before the rest of the group. And the first day I actually pulled up to some public land just to kind of do some hunting and scouting around there. It was interesting because the landscape reminded me a little bit of like when I've hunted Mark Twain National Forest in Missouri. And it also in some regards kind of reminded me of where we hunted in Pennsylvania near uh, Johnny Stewart's place. Just the way that the hills rolled, the approximate steepness of the hills, and then just the tree and cover type. You know, they have a lot of pines down there, which was interesting. When they have clear cuts, it seems like pines are what grows back up as opposed to aspens or beech or something like that. But they did also have a lot of beech trees and what I'd find scrapes, it was very common to find them under beech trees, those, you know, big yellow leaves. I spent most of the morning just kind of still hunting in and the rifle season was open in this particular piece of public land, so that's what I was using to hunt with. And It was raining most of the morning, so I was able to be pretty quiet slipping through the woods. But I was covering ground fairly quickly just to start finding some deer sign. And I had gone maybe, I don't know, a mile, a mile and a half and hadn't found much. You know, a couple scrapes, a couple tree stands, most of which were just climbers that were left at the base of the tree for the next time the guy came in. But then finally, I dropped down into the area that had looked pretty intriguing just from the e-scouting. It had a a creek drainage running through, which in and of itself didn't really have a lot of deer sign, but then the hills dropped down close to the creek in one location, which made there be just like a, I don't know, maybe a 50 yard gap at its narrowest between the creek and the base of the hill. And then kind of perpendicular to that, there was a private land boundary that had a clear cut that was growing up with maybe, I don't know, six, eight foot tall pines So a lot of diversity, just that little back corner of the public. And I found three big scrapes in a line, you know, 10 yards from one another. And that was the first place where it started to look like, Hey, this is starting to look pretty good. Uh, This might be the region where it makes sense, where you have a lot of dead space, a lot of dead space. And all of a sudden there's a pocket with a bunch of sign. So I slowed down and worked through that area a couple times, just sitting for 20, 30 minutes and moving real slow. And I ended up finding 17 scrapes. And when I drew a picture on them, a little polygon on the Spartan Forge app, it was like a 10 acre pocket. And I'm sure I missed some sign in there, uh, but I did see one doe as well. She was you know, kind of in a, a stare off with me at about 50 yards for a good couple of minutes. You know, had it been a shootable deer, uh, I probably would have been able to take it pretty easily with a rifle. And interesting thing about that particular public too, is that if you're choosing to use a rifle, you can only shoot bucks and not does. If you had archery, then you could shoot either or, but I kept working through that area. And I'm telling you, some of those scrapes were pretty fresh. Some of them were maybe used in the last week or so. Didn't really have fresh tracks in them that I could tell too much, but they weren't covered up in leaves. Others had fresh tracks that were pretty obvious that they'd been used in the last day or two. And I felt pretty confident that, you know, if I was going to spend the next three, four days in that area, I'm pretty certain I would have seen deer hunting through that area a little bit more. Uh, but as it was, I made my way back to the vehicle late afternoon uh, to get back there in time to be able to drive toward the camp to the rest of the hunt. So really it's just kind of a fun day, um, checking out the public land and, and just seeing if I could get an opportunity, but if not, at least learn something about that habitat and landscape in case they ever decide to come back down there in the future. For the actual hunt itself, I paired up with one of the vets and was basically filming for the first several hunts. So I would have my bow in the tree just in case there's always the opportunity that you'd have a few hogs come in and try to double up. Uh, but certainly the primary goal was to, uh, to film them shooting first. And so that first evening we got set up, there was a preset tree stand that we got into, and I hung my saddle up on the backside to be able to film. We had a doe come in probably an hour, hour and a half before dark. And my guy who was named Dale. Uh, Drew back and stopped the deer. And then when he shot, the deer ducked and it went just over its back and it ran off and blew. So we figured that that might be it for that deer, but there's certainly plenty enough time for other animals to come in. As it turns out, that deer looped all the way around us to try and get downwind. And eventually it did. And it could almost certainly smell us. It was acting really nervous and blew a couple more times. But then it just kept coming through. Like it was, it was just trying to get that direction. Like it had a destination in mind, uh, but it was very cautious in trying to get there. But it ended up coming back in within 30 yards of our tree. It was pretty thick because it was moving through some pines, but Dale got back to full draw, stopped the deer, uh, shot it. And this time just put a perfect shot on it and it ran over and died. And what was interesting, at least for, for both him and I, he's, you know, from the Midwest. I'm from the upper Midwest as well. We walked up to that deer, which looked like a normally proportioned deer. It was quite small. And obviously people will say that, you know, Alabama deer, just Southern deer in general, a little bit small body size wise, but until you actually first walk up on one, uh, it is a little bit of a surprise. That said, I do think it was maybe a smaller doe compared to what they can get, but it certainly wasn't a fawn either. Uh, so we got that deer taken care of and got it back to camp and camp camaraderie was just great the whole time. Super fun hanging out with that entire group. Our camp chef was named Gunner. Uh, he was also a vet himself, and he has an Instagram page, huntsman. The food that he made was pretty incredible. And it was generally some sort of venison worked into the dish, but it was always something a little bit fancier. So he quickly became one of the most liked guys in camp uh, for sure. Going back out the next morning, Dale and I didn't see much, which was a little bit of a surprise. Nobody really saw much that morning, even though the temperature had dropped by... I don't know, maybe 10, 15 degrees. It was the rut down there. Things were starting to heat up. The app was predicting full range every day. And I'm not super familiar with hunting the rut in Alabama, but I mean, everybody was seeing deer on pretty much a daily basis. And in many cases they were moving well outside of first and last light. In fact, the only deer that we ended up seeing that morning was a buck that was cruising at about 1030 or so before we got down. That evening we went into a different area. I don't think it had been hunted really that much. Uh, There was an old tree stand in there that didn't really have much for shooting lanes cleared out of it, but we got in there and checked it out and there was a scrape, maybe 20 yards away from the the stand itself. So once again, uh, Dale got up in the stand, I hung on the backside and this time we had kind of communicated ahead of time. He's like, yeah, man, if, if one comes in your side, like go ahead and shoot it for sure. And you know, vice versa, if they're coming in on his side, since he was a righty and I was a lefty. The way we were able to work that system out was anything on the right side of the tree, I was going to have a really easy strong side shot to and vice versa for anything coming on the left side of the tree uh, for him. Around maybe a half an hour before dark, a buck was chasing a doe really hard uh, through the timber and they looped around us and were starting to come in and it was getting you know, darker and darker at this point in time. Uh, But the, the, you could definitely hear the deer were going to be coming in. It was just a matter of what side of the tree were they going to come in on. They're coming in from behind us. And so I had my bow in one hand and I had the camera in the other. Dale grabbed his bow and it eventually became apparent that they were going to come in on his side of the tree. So I put my focus to the camera and uh, getting it on the deer as it came through. And there wasn't much of a window to slip an arrow through. And he actually shot the deer walking, uh, hit it slightly far back, but it ended up going down in 50 yards anyway. And at that point he was two for two and pretty much leading the, you know, informal total deer weight contest at the camp. The next morning it was expected to rain throughout most of the day. Uh, although we might've had, you know, a couple of hours of dry before the rain actually started. So we were talking with the, the guys in camp and and Slade, especially, and trying to get a feel for where'd be a good place to hang and hunt, because we didn't necessarily want to go back to the same spot again. And Dale had equipment that he was able to use for a hang and hunt. I, of course, had my saddle gear. And there was a little tiny green field that nobody had really been hunting at that point. But with the wind direction, it was, you know, kind of a strange easterly direction in this area you know, supposedly had hogs that were likely to be in the general vicinity. And to this point, nobody really seen much for hogs, which was surprising because they're definitely out there. You could see a lot of the sign from them brooding around and they were getting trail camera photos of them at night. So they're definitely there. It's just a matter of seeing them. So this was a new place and we're thinking, well, with that wind coming off that green field and there's a transition line that you could see in the timber, it's like, that's just set up back in there, you know, 30 yards or so off the the actual field edge so that if any bucks are cruising to the downwind side, we'd be able to see him. So we got in there and sat up in the dark, and it was a pretty slow morning, although I can't remember the exact hour, maybe 9 or 9.30. There was a buck that did come through and basically do exactly that. I misjudged it a little bit. My tree was almost exactly 30 yards downwind of the field, and this buck was coming in like 40 yards downwind of the field. If I had to guess, he wasn't fully mature. He was maybe like a 3-year-old deer or something like that. Uh, It's a little bit hard still for me to judge the deer down there just because there is a difference in, you know, proportionately their racks compared to the bodies. And then, you know, does and fawns, if you're seeing them in groups of deer versus all by themselves there's the physical size difference compared to what I'm used to. But this deer basically was a giant three pointer. He was outside the ears and basically just had a big beam on one side and then a a fork on the other side. It was pretty cool looking deer and I ended up getting some footage of him and then that afternoon we went back out and by this point it's raining. It, it had started raining at like 11 or noon and was pretty steady. So we we're just going to still hunt. And then, uh, you know, the question was Do we want to go on a bow hunt or, or gun hunt. Cause both of them were open and available. And so decided to, to take the gun out just because if we did see something, there's a good chance that we're going to be able to kill it. Of course, 1st we you'd be able to see if there was a lot of distance we could cut off and actually get into bow range. And our hope too was to be able to finally see some hogs. We're going to still hunt an area that a lot of the hog sign had been kind of generally around. We had a decent idea that they were probably spending their daytime hours in that area and some of these thickets and some of this, you know, swampy area. We went in there and dropped one of the guys off as we were driving the, the buggy close to where he'd be able to walk in to get to his location. And then we're going to drive a little bit further to where we're going to park and get off and start walking. And as we're, driving, we didn't notice. Actually, Dale picked up that there was a deer, you know, standing off maybe 50, 60 yards into the timber, just kind of watching us go past. Instead of just continuing to drive and ignore it, which probably the deer wouldn't have done anything, we slowed down to get a better look. And of course, once we did that, the deer took off and ran. So we continued to go back to where we we're going to park and kind of talked about it and was like, I bet that deer didn't go too far. Like could probably just bolted off another twenty. 40, 50 yards to look back. And then once we drove away, it probably went back to what it was doing. So we did decide before we went our main route to just go back and, and double check and see if we couldn't get on that deer. And we walked back through the direction that we had come in originally, didn't see it and turned around, and was starting to head back. And then as we we're heading back toward the direction where we were going to start our original planned, uh, still hunting. Dale, once again, picked up the, just a little horizontal line. I mean, this thing was hidden, uh, well off the the beaten path that we were on, uh, but he caught that horizontal line. And then it was like, yep, sure enough, that deer standing there. So we took a little, you know, better look at it. And then I got down and took a steady rest with my hand against the tree and made what ended up being a relatively easy shot uh, that ended up hitting that deer perfectly and went down. So. That was a cool moment because, you know, then both Dale and I had, had killed on that trip and we got a good amount of venison. We continued to still hunt for the rest of the evening going through that area. We did bump up one deer that looked like he was probably a nicer buck that they were keeping tabs on and interestingly did not see any hogs once again. uh, They could have been in that area. It was fairly thick that we were going through. They might've just, you know, been laying down, but it's also possible that they were, you know, somewhere else that night, but we were able to cover a lot of ground and be relatively quiet as we were doing so. And we ended up seeing one other doe as well. Uh, but then got back to the camp and, you know, throughout the duration of this trip, there was a, a bunch of guys who had killed uh, all does and a couple of guys had close calls at nicer bucks that they just didn't get a shot at. You know, one of the winners had a, a really close call with a, a decent buck and then, Bill on one of his hunts saw a deer that was probably a legitimate, you know, 135, 140 inch seven pointer, uh, really big deer, you know, especially compared to the body size, well outside of the ears that was just, you know, too far. Like it was just well out of range, but overall everybody had a really fun experience during that trip and a really great group of guys, a lot of friendships made and good memories coming out of it. I think that hunts like this will continue to be a, probably an annual thing with Spartan Forge. You know, last year we had done one as well, but it was up in the, the big woods of Pennsylvania. And I know that it's something that Bill takes a lot of pride in to uh, put these things together to be able to give back to some of the military community in whatever capacity he's able to and help bring awareness to some of those other groups and companies that are helping to support veterans. That'll do it for this week's episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Empire on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're looking for additional content from myself, subscribe to DIY Sportsman on YouTube and hit the bell icon to be notified of new videos. You can also follow DIY underscore Sportsman on Instagram. And with that, thanks for listening.